Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, our weekly spin-off podcast where we attempt to provide an antidote to the intense trauma that we provide at the start of each week with Loose Units, The Shadow Files. I'm Paul. My dad, John, is currently over in Sydney. You'll notice I didn't say up or down because I don't want to create any weird geographic uh, buffoonery, but uh, dad, how are you doing? I'm excellent. Great. Lots of things happening. And uh, how's your uh, new venture going? Oh, game for anything. Hmm. It's going well, actually. Uh, Rad and I have been having a great time. Uh, thank you to all the listeners of Loose Units who've hopped across and had a listen. We've got a new episode out tomorrow, I believe. Yeah. No, today. Yes. It releases on the same day as Loose Units and Loose Ends, effectively. So that makes things very, very simple. But, uh, Dad, there's a new Robocop game out. And I talked with Rad about Robocop. And I thought of you instantly, partly because... Robocop's a film directed by Paul Verhoeven, and it's one of those movies that, you know, re- re- repeatedly get asked about. But also, I mean, you like Robocop as a film, mm. don't you? Yeah, I like the principle behind Robocop. What's the principle behind Robocop for you? Well, he's part human, yep. part robot, and he deals with summary justice, uh, which, uh, as we've discussed before, yeah, summary yeah. justice being, and it's really, in real life, it's really bad. Mm. Uh, otherwise, there'd be anarchy, where police yeah. are just... If you argued with someone after they'd given you a ticket, they'd shoot you. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of. But, Dad, in the game, I was talking to Rad about this, you spend about half of the game doing actual grassroots community-based police work. So you end up actually just walking around Detroit, helping people out. It's Don't get me wrong, it's still a busted, terrifying city, but you do things like you actually help people and you help rehabilitate people and the way you talk to them changes the public perception of you. So mm. about halfway through the game, I'd been helping people and being really, I mean, really just nice and letting people off and being very lenient. And then there was graffiti on this wall and it was a big mural of Robocop and it said Robocop rules. And then later on, it affects like the election and... Uh, people's interactions with you completely change based on the way you treat them. And it seems to be the first game I've played in a long time where, as a police officer, you're not just killing bad guys, you're actually doing community-based police work. It was really weird. It could be um, perhaps beneficial for trainee police to... (laughs) Play for... No, seriously. You know, why not? I mean, there are so many things that... um, I mean, I guess the the basic premise of policing Mm. is that the community, it's a community job. It's getting out there and helping people. Uh, But also, you know, historically, there are deep-seated reasons 
why people have different views regarding the police. The police mm. are supposed to be impartial, and I think mostly uh, they are in terms of that it's not their job to to meter out uh, punishment. They simply get the facts, um, put them before the court, and the court ultimately decides. And I know that police have their own views and opinions. Of course they do. They're just, you know, when they take the uniform off, they meld into society. Um, you can't do that if you're Robocop because you're a ro- <laughs> Is he stuck in that outfit? Well, he can take his faceplate off, as you as you remember. So Peter Weller played Robocop. Oh, and he plays him in the new game. They got Peter Weller back and they motion captured him. So it's actually Peter Weller playing Robocop, voicing Robocop. And anim- it's, it's, it's extremely good. But at one point, Dad, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about, really. So OCP is the company in Detroit in the fictional universe of Robocop that owns the police, owns everything, and owns Robocop. He's property of OCP. Mm. And they've built certain... Uh, protocols, safeguards, um, directives, I think they're called, right? So he's got these rules he can't break. One is to uphold the law, and that's the sort of police part. The other is um, serve the public trust, I think it is, which means effectively uh, help people. It means members of the public are your first priority. And sometimes those two directives uh, conflict. But Robocop is also having these weird flashbacks to his life as Alex Murphy, the cop that was killed and turned into Robocop and so OCP in the game is like hey we're gonna have to and this is the interesting part we're gonna make you go to therapy so at three or four points throughout the game at regular intervals you have to sit down take your face plate off and sit down with a like cognitive therapist who asks you questions like do you consider yourself more a man or more a machine uh, how do you like to be referred to Alex Murphy or Robocop how do you feel about violence and he, she, he asks you these questions and depending on how you answer she then tailors her responses to you and, and it completely changes your interactions and it changes the ending of the game and blah, 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 blah. But it, I, I was sitting there going, this seems like such a useful thing, not just for cops who have been turned into robots, but also for police in general, especially police or anyone in the emergency services who is enduring extreme trauma on a regular basis, right? I mean, sitting down with a professional during work hours on their dime and actually getting to sound off and get some help. At any point, did you receive counseling or therapy? Didn't exist, Paul. Didn't exist. Well, in therapy did as a concept, but you're saying in the, within the remit of the police. No, you were, if you had have gone down that road back in the 1980s, you would have been ostracized by your colleagues. Would have been seen as an extreme sign of weakness. So, uh, of course, there were other types of therapy, uh, i.e. drinking um, after work. Some people drank, mm, not often, but some drank during work. Yeah. Um, and drug taking, of course, um, particularly when you had access to the exhibit room, mm. which was always exciting. Um, but no, it. Um, of course, I was sitting with a friend, my jogging partner, yesterday morning on Manly Beach, and we were discussing that concept of men. Um, because this is a weird thing, listeners. And, Paul, this is a bit sort of from left field. Sure. But my lovely Danish running partner, yeah, he said to me, oh, uh, he was referring to the... He loves... He absolutely loves blue shinets. He spends a lot of time on the road. Oh, great. And he 
said to me, oh, but, you know, I, I had to listen to three of those mental health ads that you, you and your son are doing in a row. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, there's only one per podcast. He said, oh, no. He said, I, uh, I listened to three or four podcasts in a row. So I, you know, by default, yeah. heard the, that number of ads. And he said, you know, I found it a bit sort of, it, it sort of got... He actually said to me, he said, it got me down a bit. I started to think about my own mental health problems. And I thought, wow, that's that's what it's supposed to do. I'm um, not laughing at him, by the way. I'm no, no, no. Being, yeah. But it's interesting. So we're sitting there, two men on a bench, yep. looking out into the into the beautiful sort of morning sky, the ocean, the horizon, the clouds, the, the waves, the serenity, to quote um, our dear friend in the castle. And... I thought, yeah. I said to myself, mm. uh, you know, men in particular, I think it's fair to say, some will disagree, do have a, a problem. Um, they feel as though it's a sign of weakness, mm. which I think is really sad. Yeah. But if men can get together and be open and honest, and I am with my male friends, we talk about lots of different things, and I think it shows that you're vulnerable, which is good. Vulnerable doesn't mean weak. No. I mean, in war, if someone says you're, you're um, you know, the people you are against, uh, they're vulnerable, that's in war terminology seen as a sign of weakness. Um, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, if you find someone's vulnerability, it gives you a place to hurt then you, them. Then basically. you exploit it. Yep. But that's not what it's like with when you're... And to, to to be a male with other males and to be honest, which I love, God, I'm, I'm renowned. In fact, it's, I... It's part of what the show is, right? Correct, like part, yeah. of, part of this show is two people being quite vulnerable with each other, you know, for yes. years on end. Yeah, and, and Paul, how's this for a segue? Uh-huh. I'm with a friend yesterday who's a... I'm going to say, I'm putting this on the table, he's a... He's a, in, an interior designer of international renown. Uh-huh. And I went to his new premises. Yeah. And he said, for God's sake, John, please just be very... Can you just sort of tone it down a bit? And I went, what do you mean? And he said, well... And we get along really, really well. He, We're fond of each other. And he said, look, the last time you were at the other premises and you were talking to some um, interior designers and architects... Yeah. He said, they didn't know you. You started talking about loose units and all of a sudden you mentioned that case of the guy down in Circular Quay that was having sex with animals and killing them. And I, to me, it was just normal conversation. But my friend said to me yesterday, before I met him, he uh-huh. called me and said, look, John, some of the people that you'd said this to six months ago, yeah, some of them were really traumatized and I felt a little bit bad but then I thought mm, that's what we do because they had indicated that they they listen to true crime podcasts uh, and I thought well that's you know that's sort of what what we do now how's this for a segue one of our listeners in Western Australia sorry hang on just quickly mm. that I think that's a point worth I think that's actually a point worth talking about so uh, I have been trying to work, Dad, on reading people 
a little better. It's something I'm quite bad at. I assume that everybody is charmed and happy to be around me, but also intuitively understands my intent. Mm. I always assume that people, you know, I always wander into places generally with good intent. And I assume that people are going to go, look, I might not have liked that, but I understand he wasn't trying to do anything by it. And I, I get, I get what he, where he's coming from. But I think what I'm trying to implement moving forward a little bit more is going like, not everyone gets me mm. and I can't just go in full bore shotgun to the face level intensity pull all the time. But true crime is weird. And you are right. True crime is not just a thing that almost everybody is into right now and has been for a while, but also the majority of people who like true crime, they want more gore. So I understand the impulse to just go, all right, well, if you think you can take it, here you go. I completely get that. But apparently, Dad, there are levels. There are, like, there's different things. Of course, Paul, one level that, um, seeing you've just touched on this topic, Mm. is uh, the point uh, that you... Yeah, cut out the the post mortem details out of um, Tuesday's podcast. I understand why you did it. Mm. Um, I thought it was um, important to include those details, but I I I do understand you don't always need to be so gratuitous. And I well, actually just, just parenthetically, it's worth noting, listeners, that uh, yeah, because Dad, we need to frame this properly because uh, nobody knows because it was cut. So. Uh, when Dad was describing the uh, body of the child on the episode on we record on Mondays, and the description was, Dad wasn't embellishing; he was reading the mm. description from the file, so he wasn't yeah. being florid or making anything up. He wasn't, you know, exaggerating, but it was um, very lengthy and comp- and intensely graphic, and uh, it was uh, for the podcast unnecessary. But for criminal, for people investigating the crime, and for people, uh, you know, who were there trying to figure the case out, it was completely factual and necessary. And if you're in forensics, you you need to know this stuff. Mm, but yeah. also, um, what I would like to say on this particular matter mm. is the only reason that I read out the uh, the sort of the notes from the surgeon in relation to the post mortem. The only reason I was not not because it's gratuitous, because murder and rape, you know, and it's a young person, those three things, people have got vivid imaginations. We don't need to sort of mm-hmm. lead, lead them through this path of, of misery. But the reason that I had introduced it, and it's good that we can chat about this now, was that it it provided the reasoning. Do you, well, it was so horrific that that's why we had all those incredibly senior police. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist. To find out if it's right for you. Because normally senior police of that rank, like the chief constable, mm. uh, normally they don't get involved so quickly. So I just kind of wanted to punctuate the crime and sort of equals high rank, equals the details that you know we didn't that we didn't sort of publish. But it's a good thing you did because yesterday. Mm. I'm having coffee with a few hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the fans who's erudite and, and, and on the ball, and sometimes when I meet her, she actually has written questions, listeners. She sits there and she reads questions, and I answer them in relation to those units. And she just said that she really loved the podcast, not so much the, the, you know, the material, but it was the way that we take them on this journey. And I've had some very positive feedback this week. Um, But Paul, I, I'm not, I don't just blurt out. I'm not, I'm not, I don't go out of my way and I'm mindful, but I also love to push the envelope, but I think pushing the envelope is in itself a very, very fine art because what you need to do is read the people Mm. um, and gauge and you push slowly you don't just come on like throwing a you know like a pavlova in their face you don't do that no you you start off gently and if they're receptive you then push further and further but i Mm. but this particular case was a person that was not actually involved in the conversation they were just nearby listening and then one could argue well they actually weren't part of the conversation so Actually, Dad, a listener sent me a piece from uh, the New Zealand Herald. <sighs> this is pretty intense, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. The owner of a Colorado funeral home and his wife were arrested in Oklahoma on charges linked to the discovery of 190 sets of decaying remains at one of their facilities, including some that apparently have been languishing there for four years. Now, am I crazy, or has this happened before? Mm. Yeah, it happened a few weeks ago in America. Yeah. Uh is this the same thing? No, no it's different. What? Different story. I'm okay. sure these things happen a lot. Yeah. Uh, and like a lot of crimes, they're happening as we speak. And we don't know about them yet. But um, well, they arrested the couple who ran the funeral home and they charged them with and uh, four felonies. Abuse of a corpse, theft, money laundering and forgery. Now... Dad, you worked at a funeral home. How hard would it be 
to store 190 bodies worth of remains in a funeral home. Incredibly difficult. I just... I, that's a lot of bodies. Yeah. I don't quite understand... I mean, these were people that were entrusted to the funeral home. Yeah. And they were supposed to have the service. So did they have that many services where people thought? I mean, because you don't know. If you yeah. if a coffin's wheeled into the church, for example, you don't know what's in it, do you? You assume. No. You trust. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Wow, imagine if at the, um, the crematorium, because it's... When they cremate a body, it's they cremate the coffin too. Yeah. You know that, don't you? Yes, I do. I but do. if they didn't look in, if they just sort of were processing these coffins with bodies inside, if they didn't look in, but I'm sure mostly they do, I've done it, where you look in and you actually see how the process is going, mm. and you can clearly see once the coffin uh, is completely sort of engulfed in flame then begins to collapse on itself because it's a fairly it's not solid generally not hardwood otherwise it'd take ages to do the, the cremating the burning um and then you you get to see the actual skeleton and you see the ribs and the, the skull and all the bones and the ribs collapse and i mean and it, it's relatively quick but imagine if you looked in and didn't see a skeleton mm. that would be that would be cause for great concern. Typically speaking, not seeing a skeleton is a good day. <laughs> yes, but like it's a. I'm like, oh, cool! I didn't see a skeleton today. That's great. But yeah, there <laughs> but are... the whole thing is. I, and then you've got to give the family something. Yeah, unless well, that's, you've got residual uh, product. That, that's actually something I wanted to talk to you about. So the families have been walking away with urns. So the investigators who rocked up to this place headed in and found, and I quote. Dozens of stacked bodies. So they're finding bodies under this place. I'm assuming, why am I assuming under? Like there's some sort of fucking dungeon. But there are stories here about people who went to this funeral home and had bodies apparently cremated, right? And uh, this one woman, Christina Page, was walking around with an urn for years. I think 2019 was when her 20-year-old son was shot and killed by a cop. And so for four years, she was walking around with the urn. And then she finds out that actually uh, it might not be... Uh, his body. Hmm. So when it comes down to having to identify bodies, it says here they've identified 110 of the 190 sets of remains and have returned 25 to those people's families. That's bad. There's so much trust imbued. And again, we talked about this last time with the other funeral home. You just, you trust them. You trust them to do the right thing. Hmm. You do. We trust all sorts of people in authority. We trust nurses. We don't expect them to kill people on Hmm. shift. We trust police. We don't expect them to take into a back alley and shoot you. We trust uh, our military. We don't expect them to do certain things. Yeah. I mean, you have to. Look, I mean, you can't. Yeah. It's, what about what about what about recycling the garbage? In, oh in, my in god! In our area, no, no. We, oh. we we I have seen our local garbos come by, mm. and it happens occasionally. And I'm sure that every single listener would have seen what I'm about to say take place. You see them put all the recycling stuff in the general truck and crush it all with everything, and it's just shison, and they're not going to recycle it. Okay, so we trust people. People do the right thing, and then I've witnessed that probably fifty times. Yeah, there's the a last... real as a rule of thumb, Dad, and I'm sorry if this makes me seem a little bit 
a little bit woo-woo. But I don't think you should do the right thing just because you're being observed and don't want to get into trouble. I think if you do the right thing, and whether that's just doing your job or going out of your way to help people, you should do it because it's the right thing to do, right? Like if you're a, if you work at a funeral home in Colorado and you are running out of space or you're under the pump and you're like, oh shit, we just can't, then guess what? You close the place for two weeks and you fix the backlog you don't just cram bodies into the basement if you're a garbage if you're doing garbage and you just i don't know dad i don't know i feel, i do feel like there's a link here somewhere but it seems very very stressful to me that there are people for example who are like i don't trust banks and they put the money under a mattress you can't do that with the dead body you can't do that with garbage right mm. there are certain uh, structures that exist that solve really big problems where to put a body when a person dies is not just a problem of waste or refuse or space it's also a problem of being able to grieve properly right mm. if, if i found out that let's say for example you died um god forbid let's say you died we all know that's not going to happen ever um you are an eternal being and that's totally fine and i'm never going to have to process grief in, in that way but what i will say is that uh if you die and <laughs> And you get uh, sent to a funeral home and I grieve. And let's say I spend five years processing that grief and I'm like, okay, great. I go to his grave every week and I hear him speak to me and whatever. And then I find out that actually your body's not there. Actually, you're stored under a uh, crematorium in Colorado for some fucking reason. But Paul, you, you, the, the counter argument to that is that it doesn't really matter where the body is because there is that doesn't mean anything. But the destruction in... of the... Yeah, but the, but the returning of the body to... I understand, but if you... You know, it... Yeah. I get it. I get it. But if people talk about soul, yeah. the soul, that's that that's spiritual essence that leaves you when you die, um, yeah. then it, you know, look, mate, this is a whole, it's a Pandora's box. Actually, Dad, and this this is going to seem like a really weird place to close this out. But again, Rad and I were talking about, talking about Robocop on the most recent episode of Game for Anything. And we started to talk about whether... Alex Murphy is still Alex Murphy. They replace pretty much every part of the guy. In fact, during the rebuild of RoboCop, uh, he kind of wakes up, if you recall. There's a little first-person sequence in the film, and he wakes up, and he over. He, you're kind of watching powerless as these scientists are talking about the, the, the process and the procedure. And one of them goes, we managed to save his arm, like his right arm, and the guy's like, scrap it, like fucking throw it out, bin it. Uh, and so then they basically start sawing it off and taking it away because they went, the arm is not as good as the new arm. And they start just um, sloughing off parts of his humanity. Mm. And my argument was, is he still Alex Murphy? Right? If you replace enough parts of a person or a thing, are they still the person or the thing? Yes, definitely. It's just the brain. But Rad, you think it's just the... Right. But um, I guess when you come down to where is the person, where is the soul, right? If you're cremating a body and you believe in the eternal soul, then you're like, well, it's, it's all good. No, but if you don't, if, if you don't, then you might be attaching um, a needless amount of uh, emotional uh, gravity or whatever to the, to the actual physical thing. I mean, this woman's carrying around an urn for years because that's, that's, she's put her, her, she's put her son's kind of, she's put her son in that urn. I understand. Paul, emotionally. Um, I get it, but listen, um, if I mean the brain when you're conscious, that's mm. where it's happening. But with Melissa Caddock, okay, they yeah. find her foot. Yeah. Now, 
if someone found the foot of a loved one of mine and that's all you ever got back, Mm -hmm. you would be very, very excited and you would look upon the foot as something you'd almost, there'd be some some reverence, some attachment to... Small that, box to that small um, yeah. that 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 item that was a, a a part of the bigger the whole person, but it, you'd be thinking, "Wow, this is pretty good." In that, I've got something, uh, you know that, and that's. I mean, look, it's just fascinating. I mean, children's books. Um, you know, when kids are born, quite often I don't know whether they still do it, but they, you know, would take a little piece of cut a piece of hair off and yep. keep that. Yep. Weird. And, and and people take molds of of kids' feet and hands and yeah um you know they clearly don't take molds of their heads because they couldn't breathe during the molding process okay unless you did it really quickly sure um yes fascinating um actually speaking of kids' books this ties me back to the soul question I found a quote from Bishop William Walshaw Howe and he was actually he wrote a book for children the reason I'm mentioning this that is because there was a quote that C.S. Lewis uh, apparently quoted and it turns out he didn't quote it it came from this bishop so I'm going to read this to you what a wonderful thing a soul is you cannot see it you cannot hear it you cannot touch it yet you know it is there you do not want any proof that you have a soul you are as sure of that as that you have a body it tells you itself now I think I am wrong after all in saying that you have a soul ought I not to say you are a soul is not the soul really yourself in truth it is the soul that has a body not the body that has a soul for the soul is greater surely than the body and will last when the body is laid aside in death so I found that uh, peculiarly comforting Mm. in that I plan on haunting everybody I know and love. And if my soul is not tethered to my body, then even if I am not cremated properly underneath a Colorado crematorium, I will still rock up twice a week to provide spooky entertainment alongside you for all eternity. How does that sound? Brilliant. Love it. <laughs> okay, great. Well, we started with Robocop and closed up with a bishop talking to children. If that's not a loose ends, I don't know what is. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Loose Units, Loose Ends. Please get your fine, fine butts across to Game for Anything and have a listen, because Dad's going to be on a future episode, I promise. There's a Actually, Dad, there's a police-related game coming out early next year, and I want to get you on to help us review it. But in the meantime, all you have to do is go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and type in Game for Anything and you will find it. Hit subscribe, leave a review, have a listen. I think you'll really enjoy it, especially our weird ramblings on Robocop and law enforcement. But in the meantime, everybody, have a fantastic weekend. Dad and I are going to be talking about some Australian true crime next week, as per usual. But we will see you very, very soon, everyone, for more Loose Units. Bye-bye. Cheerio. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.